Hello, everybody. I'm Kathy Yang. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. draws the ire of China once again following the passage of a bill aimed at supporting pro-democracy protesters in Hong Kong. As Joel Caballero tells us, Beijing threatens to hit Washington with countermeasures. The U.S. Senate unanimously passes a bill backing anti-government protesters in the Chinese-ruled city. That measure aims to protect the rights of demonstrators. It still needs to go back to the House of Representatives. But if it becomes a law, it would see U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo having to certify at least once a year that Hong Kong retains enough autonomy to qualify for special U.S. trading considerations. It would also punish officials who commit human rights violations in the city. The Hong Kong Human Rights and Democracy Act is important legislation. It is bipartisan legislation. The people in Hong Kong are engaged in an existential battle for liberty. The U.S. Senate also passed a second bill that would ban the export of certain ammunitions to Hong Kong's police force. Tuesday's votes have caused outrage in China. They are once again accusing the U.S. of meddling in its internal affairs. China urges the U.S. side to earnestly respect China's sovereignty, stop making irresponsible remarks, stop conniving at the violent and illegal actions euphemistically, stop its interference into Hong Kong affairs as well as other internal affairs of China. The unrest in Hong Kong began in June over a now-withdrawn extradition bill. But protests have since swelled into wider calls for democracy and Hong Kong Chief Executive Carrie Lam's resignation. Joel Caballero, ABS-CBN News. Hong Kong stocks fall amid renewed worries on the prospects of the U.S.-China trade talks. The Hang Seng Index dropped three-quarters of a percent. That's despite Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba raising nearly $13 billion in its landmark listing in Hong Kong. It is the largest share sale in the city in nine years and a world record for any cross-border secondary share sale. The deal will be seen as a boost to Hong Kong amid continuing unrest and its recent slide into its first recession in a decade. With us now for more is Jefferson Mendoza in Hong Kong. So what's the situation now in Hong Kong, uh, Jeff, following the U.S. Senate bill backing the protesters there? Good evening, Kelly. We're, uh, I'm here at uh, Hong Kong Polytechnic University where uh, just getting here was quite strict. Riot police searching press bag, uh, uh, journalists' bags, as well as anyone who might be near within the perimeter. Uh, the university campus is on lockdown right now. Earlier, I had the chance to watch a press conference by the superintendent, Chief Superintendent Ho Yu Sing, District Commander of Yao Chim District. He said this morning, protesters, there were six protesters that were uh, arrested, one female and, and uh, one and five men, excuse me. Basically, he's saying that uh, uh, they are looking for a peaceful resolution in terms of these troubled times here in the city and here specifically in the campus. Kathy? Have protesters become emboldened or have the tensions come off a bit after the U.S. Senate backed a bill uh, supporting the Hong Kong protesters? 
Well, I woke up this morning basically finding out that, yes, the, the bill has passed and most of the people, especially those who are protesters, were quite happy about it. But again, it's not yet there until everything is passed. Mind you, there are different steps as to when this will take into effect. But so far, right now here in the city, uh, it's, quite, it's a quiet day today, a quiet night evening as well. Kathy? And uh, Jeff, there is the local elections over the weekend on the uh, 24th, typically low-key, but now front and center in the news as it's going to be the first vote since the unrest began six months ago. So what are you hearing? Will those elections push through or will they be canceled? From what, I'm he from what I've been hearing, excuse me, and those are the, the, basically some graffitis that I've seen in Central, for example, uh, one in particular that reminds, that comes to mind is that the ballot is stronger than the bullet. So it says a lot about the current mood here in the city that they, it seems that they will push through. But mind you, last night there was a solicitor and a politician that was attacked uh, at around tonight at Teen House Station. That, that also is a, a risk factor for those who are running for a seat in the uh, election here. All right. Thank you so much for that update. Jefferson Mendoza live in Hong Kong. Global trade concerns also drag markets here in Asia. Philippine shares in particular fell back below 7,900 despite the good fundamentals. Details from Nikki de Guzman. Asian markets decline as trade tensions flared again between the U.S. and China. Political unrest in Hong Kong also affecting the sentiment. Philippine shares join regional peers in the downtrend, back under the 7,900 level, slipping about two-tenths of a percent. GDP is strong, inflation is low, corporate earnings this quarter were amazingly high. Uh, EPS growth was at more than 20 percent. But still, it doesn't seem to be moving the, the direction that we want it to. And really, it seems to me like the last thing to, to check off the checklist is the overhang of the trade war between U.S. and China. Leading today's decline, Semirara mining down by about 7% after the Philippine Energy Department suspended the coal trading of the Kansuni-led mining firm involving a mudflow incident in Semirara Island in Antique back in October. Semirara says it is completing requirements for submission to the Energy Department and it's confident that the conditions for resuming operations can be quickly addressed. Meanwhile, the Shareholders Association of the Philippines, or SHAREFIL, recommends amendments to the Philippine Stock Exchange's rules for companies that voluntarily delist from the boards. The group proposes terms under a voluntary delisting should be approved by at least two-thirds of the company's board, along with a majority of its independent directors. SHAREFIL also suggests an approval threshold from stockholders, requirements for a dissenting vote from minority investors, and two-thirds company board approval of an appraiser for the tender offer price. That price also suggested to be determined via formulas used by stock exchanges in other countries such as Indonesia and Malaysia. Shareful adds there should be a minimum tender offer price in the Philippines because investors would lose tax advantages provided to them under law otherwise. Philippine Stock Exchange President Ramon Monzon meanwhile says they are gathering public comments on a draft of revised delisting rules. After that, uh, after we receive the comments, then we'll make an evaluation and we should come up. We should be submitting a revised the listing rules to the SEC for their approval. Nikki de Guzman, ABS-CBN News. More concerns emerge regarding the Duterte administration's build, build, build program. But as Ron Cruz tells us, British investors still want to take part in bringing the massive infrastructure push to life. Another government official comes to the defense of the Duterte administration's Build, Build, Build program. 
Transport Secretary Arthur Togada admits the pace of his department's project rollout is not ideal due to right-of-way issues, but he insists many of these are being started and completed. Togade also hits back at criticisms on the agency's alleged poor disbursement record. As of October, Togade says 44% of their 2019 budget has already been disbursed. He warns plans to slash a department's budget will only hurt future infrastructure projects. The actual obligated amount is the highest ever ever, which is more than 80%. Mm -mm. And the actual disbursement, if you include especially include these uh, instances which I mentioned, is the actual disbursement ever, ever. Hitting us on a low disbursement is not very accurate approach. Okay. Because as I have explained, isama mo naman yung mga virtual na natapos na yung mga projecto. Number two, pag islas mo yung budget, how can we operate on projects which we have forecasted and there is no budget? What is the effect? You are actually putting into jeopardy. The projects which we have envisioned to be done mm -mm. in the next two and a half years. But while the transport right secretary casts an optimistic view on the infrastructure initiative, Fish Solutions believes bureaucratic issues such as red tape and security concerns in the southern Philippines could still turn private investors away. But it adds the country's relatively well-structured framework for public-private partnerships gives it an edge in attracting private capital. Under the government's expanded list of infrastructure flagship projects, 26 will be implemented through the PPP route. The thing that uh, the Filipino have over the other countries is that it has a well-established PPP framework. In contrast to other countries in the region like Malaysia, like Vietnam, where uh, the PPP program is still pretty nascent, so the structure and the framework is not as established as the one that Philippines has. So in this aspect, uh, I'll think that uh, private capital will flow more into uh, PPPs in Philippines. Despite concerns, the British Chamber of Commerce here in the Philippines believes British investors are still interested in getting more involved with the infrastructure push. Another area is where we have a largest number of companies that are actually in construction. I think they could be involved significantly, I would say, probably on the railway side, obviously looking at airports and ports. And I think I was even supporting on the roadside in terms of, of, in terms of, a, of overall engineering and advice. BCCP President Chris Nelson also hoping for a swift implementation of government's expanded list of flagship infrastructure projects. Ron Cruz, ABS-CBN News. Several local groups thumbed down Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte's order to suspend rice importation, citing its possible repercussions. As Juan de Guzman tells us, Socioeconomic Planning Secretary Ernesto Pernia believes Duterte's order is not yet final. Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte wants to suspend rice importation while retaining the rice tariffication law. He also wants government to buy up all locally produced rice to help farmers cope with the sharp drop in unhusked rice prices. Several groups say it is a big mistake because the rice tariffication law itself only empowers the president to adjust tariffs on imports and only when Congress is not in session. It's illegal. It's not allowed in the law for him to unilaterally suspend the importation of rice and it contradicts the very principle of uh, the rice tariffication or rice liberalization law. That the reason that pale prices have been falling is because the hoarders um, have been stocking up on their, on their rice and they're anticipating precisely this, um, a reversal of the law, and they're waiting to unload. 
Economist Calixto Chiquiamco agrees a suspension of importation would drive rice prices up and benefit rice hoarders. Remember, this is the regime we have uh, had been under for the past 30 years. And it has not increased uh, farmers' incomes. It has not uh, resulted in lower rice prices, etc. So why go back to a failed policy of restricted rice imports? Some members of the business sector are also concerned of any possible impact on inflation, which had hit near-decade highs last year. Well, inflation will always affect all corporates, and uh, specifically if it leads to higher interest rates. But uh, from what we're seeing on the ground, it seems like uh, our financial managers have gotten it uh, pretty much under control. The gatekeeper of inflation, the Philippine Central Bank, believes if a suspension of importation does happen, it won't have any material effect on prices. Social Economic Planning Secretary Ernesto Pernia believes Duterte's order is not yet final. He asked the president will likely consult the cabinet during their next meeting on the legality of the suspension order. The Agriculture Department, however, says it is ready to follow the president, provided they receive more funds to buy up locally produced rice. But a consumer group says the suspension does not go far enough. The suspension at best is just a band aid. We should review the industry again and then review it thoroughly and for Congress, you know, to come out with a intelligent and farmer-friendly, farmer-friendly rice tarification law. A local farming group, the Philippine Chamber of Agriculture and Food, says there are measures sanctioned under the rice tarification law, the special safeguard duty, which can cap rice imports and raise import prices to the same level of local rice. Warren de Guzman, ABS-CBN News. And that's it for today. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. You can watch highlights, recaps, and exclusive content of our shows online. Subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you for joining us.